Hey, it's Chris, the Supply Chain Doctor and host of Supply Chain is Boring. In this two-part interview, we speak with supply chain technology company whisperer, Greg Cronin, about his long and successful career in supply chain management and what the future holds. It also happens that he and John Hill, who we recently interviewed, are considered the fathers of warehouse management system industry. And you also get the indication that the competitive embers are still alive. In part one, Greg discusses how he got into supply chain management up through his multiple attempts at retirement. And be sure to listen through to the end to hear bonus coverage to get a better understanding of Mr. Cronin. It all sounds pretty boring, so let's see if Greg can prove me wrong. Greg, thanks again for investing time with me here today to talk about your career and learn about your perspective on supply chain management. I've been in supply chain technology space since the mid-90s, and that's, Greg, that's when I first heard your name, and I've seen it pretty consistently since then. Can we kind of just go go back to the start, maybe college, how you got into supply chain management? Sure. Kind of work through your career there. I got it through it. Uh, actually, uh, first of all, Chris, thank you for having me. I, I, I enjoy this, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. I attended Manhattan College because my father went there, and it was in New York City. Uh, I also followed his career. He, he worked uh, back in the 30s for Mitsui a Japanese trading company, and one of my ambitions in life was to do international business. I thought that would be a very exciting thing. So I started off at Mitsui, and I had a wonderful experience. Uh, for six months, I was in Japan. Japan in 1970 is quite different than it is today. Um, and I learned a lot from the Japanese, really, how they structured the business, how they looked and shared information, how they shared decision-making. A lot of the things that people learn later on, I learned there. And I worked in their distribution area, meaning um, I did paperwork. I basically did customs clearance, import-export. And in those days, a trading company was what it was. We actually traded things. And a lot of money was in exchange because the banking uh, isn't what it is today and the, the ability to, to do transfer of funds and everything was very different back then. It was quite exciting, but I learned all about import, export, documentation, dealing with ports, shipping, and actually uh, Mitsui was always uh, been very close to me. Uh, many of the companies I worked with later on, Mitsui owns SoftBank, which is a big investor, and both at Velocity, uh, at Trendstar, at a number of companies uh, that I've been involved with over the years, they invested in my, those companies. So I've always had and maintained a long-lasting relationship with uh, Mitsui. Uh, I left Mitsui, though. Uh, I actually ended up working for one of Mitsui's three PL partners, uh, Todd Logistics. It was a port operations in uh, Bayonne and Elizabeth, New Jersey. And I ran, I first came in as a supervisor, and then I eventually became warehouse manager and then uh, VP of ops. And I ran a um, warehouse, which was uh, Longshoreman. I ran a trucking company, uh, operations, which were Teamsters. And I lived through all that <laughs> to this day. It was quite an experience to have uh, Longshoreman and Teamsters. But what got, it started me in technology because we did, we worked for, uh, we had a contract with Government uh, Services Administration, GSA. They were one of the first ones that started barcoding. And that's what got me all involved. 
barcodes in those days was sort of a joke. They were about the size of a massive screen, and, and scanners looked like bazookas. And we did not know anything about barcoding because we would take these big barcodes and wrap them around a small carton, and voila, we couldn't scan them. And then we realized over time how you really used, had to utilize that technology. And from that, interesting, I was out in the field and I saw a radio frequency terminal, one of the very first ones. It was uh, TechLogix. It was down. Uh, I called Rod Kutzup, who was the founder of TechLogix, and I said, I could really picture barcoding and RF technology working together. No one really had done that yet. And I called him up and he said, no, it's not about the hardware, it's about the software. And so I ended up, he ended up introducing me to a company in New York called IMI Systems, which was one of the first WMSs. And uh, we did Ma Bell and Avon and a couple of other early adopter in the WMS space. And we married uh, RF technology with barcoding to scan verify that the right product was in the right location at the right time. And um, I was, uh, I came in and I was probably the only guy that knew how to spell warehouse correctly uh, because these were all techie guys and they didn't know anything about a warehouse. And I did know how things worked, how you receive product, you stored product, you pick product, you ship product. They didn't have a clue. And so I, uh, I was sort of the sales support and then I did functional designs, and then eventually uh, I got into the sales side of it. Uh, I went to a trade show, gave a little speech, met Jim McHugh of McHugh Freeman, wonderful man, and he hired me as McHugh Freeman's first salesman. So, um, and here I went from the operation world, physical operation world for 15 years, and now all of a sudden I became a sales guy. <laughs> And that was quite an experience. And my first sale was Procter & Gamble, which turned out to be the foundation company for warehouse management systems, period. Because once we put in our site, they announced to the Wall Street Journal and to the world the value of a WMS. And for years, I toured with various members of Procter & Gamble where we promoted they promoted warehouse management systems and really put it on the map because they showed the benefits to people of the value of having inventory and order accuracy where they never had it anywhere near like that before. The efficiency we with them, we created task interleaving that we knew where the work was and we knew where the operator was and we would marry the two in an efficient manner. And that was unheard of in those days, and, and Procter & Gamble promoted this religiously for us, and I still thank them to this day. They, sure. they put WMS on, on the map. Now, Greg, I'm gonna, I'll challenge you a little bit here. I'm yeah. not challenge you, but do you know John Hill? Yeah, so I, I do very well. A wonderful man. He, he was president of Logisticon. That was the other WMS, really. Okay. The three I just mentioned were probably it in those days. I am on you and Logisticon. And others emerged from that, but they were the, probably the three original companies. And we all had the same idea. We really merged uh, barcoding with RF technology and uh, created a real-time WMSs, which were unique 
And so we, it, it, it was an exciting time. Yeah. Partly it was exciting because half the time you didn't know if the project was going to go in right mm -hmm. because it was, this was experiment and, and risk and uh, the unknown. And the thing I think that separated McHugh Freeman from everybody else was we developed the process of selling it right and delivering it right and, and going through steps of doing designs, agreeing that that's what the deliverable is going to be, understanding uh, the customer's needs and defining that very clearly and, and then delivering a system to that. And that process, I think everybody sort of copied us on that as life went on and um, we were very successful that we were probably the least risk of all the WMSs back in the day. We had our risk too, believe me, but I think it was our process and our people really made it right. Yeah. And, and John and um, he, he and I interacted for years. He became over time more of a consultant than I really remained more as an operator yeah. over, over all the years. Yeah, I just I just interviewed him uh, last episode, and he he kind of he didn't claim I'll have to listen to the words again, but he said he was the the godfather of the WMS. So, <laughs> well, I've been accused of being the father. <laughs> oh, the father, the father of WMS. <laughs> yeah. Well, he and I joke about that, and we always we're trying to still figure out who the mother is. But uh, <laughs> and and his claim I was take no credit for it. <laughs> and, and his his other claim was J C Penney was the first. Uh, the first proponent of uh, WMS, so we'll have to get that. Well, so, yeah, a retailer, I would say that that's true. Okay. So uh, at McHugh, we replaced that system five years later. <laughs> ah, you're, 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 still the, you're still the salesman. Well, still a competitor. At McHugh, we were really, we were focused on consumer goods, mm -hmm. and, um, and Logisticon went mostly for more for, towards the retail sector. So I stayed at McHugh for a long time. I became the salesman and I grew up to become the president and chief operating officer. And I really enjoyed my time there. That was probably one of the best, greatest team of people I had work, working together with. I really had fun. And then I was actually recruited away by Alan DeBerry of um, Manhattan Associates, which at that time was a very small WMS company, but I was swayed by his charm and his vision, and he did have a vision, and he was a brilliant guy. I mean, he is a brilliant guy, and he came up with this idea of packaging a WMS, and much more so than the customized WMSs, which was really the, the trend back in those days, and he really did the effort of trying to put a package and create uh, a base product that we would sell and deliver to. That, too, had its risk. I remember the uh, very first customer user conference we had. Uh, I felt like Frankenstein's monster, and all our customers were the villagers, and they wanted to burn me at the stake because we had our issues. Uh, selling it and delivering it that way, uh, we were early risk takers, and uh, a lot of customers. Eventually, we worked it through it, and we got them installed, but it was uh, – but – Never before was there a WMS company that grew at the pace. And uh, I did the uh, roadshow with Alan. I was on the board of Manhattan. We did the IPO together. And then, and really, that really was the landmark of probably the first supply chain execution software company. Um, 
that became a public company. And so we had, I great, it was great fun there. It was explosion of people and new customers, quality company really into this day. And uh, I know Eddie Gable, their CEO right now, a wonderful man and a uh, great company. Though I, and then at that time I got the attention of the uh, investor market. I had a couple of investors come to me and say, do you, what's the next great idea? I thought it was, and still is, it was supply chain visibility. It was um, looking, um, at utilizing technology that could take data from various other systems, putting it together so you could track product. So we, with others, uh, we created Velocity. I was the founder of it, and um, it was uh, exciting times. Uh, we had Dell. And Dell Ventures was an investor, as a lot of uh, uh, customers of ours became investors because they loved the idea of being able to, and Dell used it quite effectively to build their computer systems for personal use. So people would call in in those days, you'd call in, and you'd order a computer, and you'd order all the parts, and then our system tracked all the parts to the manufacturing, the point of assembly and we would assemble to that customer's specific requirements and on a specific date. And Dell was really the forerunner of doing that type of thing, and we worked very closely with them. But we also used our technology with Ford, uh, with a lot of other different companies, mainly to track their parts, inbound parts, and put it together for an assembly of a manufacturer and it was exciting times, and we looked to do another IPO, and that's when, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I was in London. We were going to go out on Monday in London, and the, and the dot-com bubble burst that Friday. So I took my tail between my legs and made my way back to the States, and everybody said, well, this is just a correction, and it turned out not to be a correction, and it was, then it was tough times. Then all of a sudden, technology companies, especially anything that was Internet-based, as uh, Velocity was, and it was a struggle. And uh, Velocity actually is still alive to this day. It's alive and well in Australia. And, and I think they have a, a company uh, office here in the U.S. But from that, I ended up then starting another company um, called Trendstar. And uh, partly, and it was uh, mobile asset tracking. And actually, this was the company I probably had the most fun with because we were best known for tracking beer kegs. We signed contracts in Europe. In Europe, beer is considered food, and so it fell under their food tracing. Uh, Mad Cow was a terrible thing that happened, and so they put new laws and regulations, and they had to track lot codes of the manufactured product back to the source and to where it was distributed to. So we ended up putting RFID tags on beer kegs, our model was also we bought the beer keg, and then what we did was uh, we ended up owning six million beer kegs in Europe, in the UK, and in Northern Europe, and we pooled the beer kegs together. So we worked with various 3PLs. We built out models of transportation models of effectively having one person or company come in, pick up empty beer kegs, and deliver full beer kegs, not each company, each beer company doing it on their own. So we we took that model and we ended up putting it into the uh, medical 
tracking assets using RFID technology. Uh, we did medical products in hospitals. We did air cargo containers. Uh, we did a joint venture with Lufthansa, it's still alive, called Jettainer. You'll see them at airports today. You'll see the beer kegs. It's, it's called MicroStar in the U.S. Most of the beer kegs that you see at uh, pubs, of course you don't see them nowadays in, in our world, are MicroStar beer kegs. We also did, and then the, the, uh, the medical one was bought by GE Medical. So what we ended up doing was we took a base technology of tracking assets outside and globally, and we put them into various different industries. We also use food containers uh, for manufacturing. We used it in textile tracking. Um, and in each case, we ended up building something that an industry, a company in that industry wanted, and they acquired it from us. And so eventually, uh, Trendstar was eventually acquired over time by the beer was a, a Scottish Newcastle actually bought the European version of it and the American version of it was bought by Microstar. That was a successful and that's when I first retired. I said, okay, that's it. I think I'm done. Life's been good. And then I went and played golf and I, I didn't get any good at it. And I had a good friend of mine, uh, Art Mesher, from Descartes Systems, and he had just taken over as CEO, and he knew that I had a lot of CEO and COO experience, and he asked me to join his team uh, more as an advisor, and I came in, and then for a while I took over an operating role of sales and marketing. All along, it was it it, it was a temporary. Uh, I was sort of a renta renta guy at that time, and to really kind of help grow the company. Um, and I believe I did. I, I ended up uh, bringing in some of our salespeople that are still there. Uh, they've done an exceptional job. And so that same model, I, I went and because uh, I really didn't want to take a full-time operating role or a full-time CEO role or CEO role. So I ended up joining another company, this time a robotics company called Seagrid. And it was a fascinating technology that came out of Carnegie Mellon Labs, the robotic labs out of Pittsburgh, and um, it was uh, technology ahead of its time. And so we, again, I was uh, involved with the board, and but also um, at, for a while I took an operating role to help develop their marketing and positioning and their, and their uh, strategy. It ended up being acquired by another entity and I decided to move on. Before that though, I was also involved um, with uh, various, at this time I started to get involved with investment firms and I started to do uh, advisory roles. Uh, one of them was with Kiva, the uh, robot company uh, that was acquired by uh, Amazon and I got involved with a company called Quiet Logistics uh, Bruce Wealthy and team who use Kiva technology uh, the, as part of their 3PL operational process. Very successful. It was very exciting. A great technology. Unfortunately, then um, Amazon bought it, took the technology away from the industry, and Quiet now has gone with Locus and done uh, and utilizing that technology right now, the AMRs, that of Locus uh, robots. And I retired again, and I said, that's it, I'm done. Um, and then I had two old friends of mine give me a call, Chris Cole and Jim McCarthy, 
of Intelligrated, and they asked me, they were a conveyor company and they wanted to make it more of a technology company. They wanted to invest in software and they wanted to invest in robotics, uh, two areas that I've had some experience in. So uh, they told me this will be a one-year jaunt and then you can go back to retirement land. <laughs> and when I joined them, though, they were roughly probably about 200 million in sales and then I stayed about four or five years, and then um, when I left, it was about a billion in sales. So we had a significant growth, and I became an integral part of the company. I loved working there. It was a great company, great people, much of the same culture that we had back in the day of McHugh Freeman. As a matter of fact, I met Jim and Chris from my McHugh Freeman days. They were running Bushman, and McHugh Freeman was owned by Pinnacle Automation. And Pinnacle also owned um, a Bushman. And so they called me and I said yes. And uh, I had a great time with the company and we grew it significantly and expanded the products, especially in the software side and robotics and some of the other equipment, lights and voice, and um, got very involved in that. And then um, Honeywell came along and bought the company and I retired. And I said, that's it, <laughs> no more. And I meant it and, and, uh, and I didn't want to certainly take any more operations roles. And then I decided, okay, I'm back to playing golf again. And then I did that for about a year and I said, okay, I'm bored. And then this industry just started to take off. If you're interested in CSCP or other APEX credentials, there is a YouTube video where you can learn more about bootcamp style workshops at Georgia Tech. Search on Apex Bootcamp Courses Informational Webinar. If you're in the North Georgia, North Alabama, Chattanooga area, check out the traditional class formats offered by the University of Tennessee Chattanooga Center for Professional Education, Supply Chain Academy. Optionally, we can bring supply chain certification workshops to your company. Just send a note to chris at apexcoach.com. Supply Chain Boring is part of the Supply Chain Now Network. We try to highlight historical events, companies, and people in supply chain management and create a picture of where the industry is headed. Interested in learning more about supply chain technology startups, mergers, acquisitions, and how companies evolve, take a listen to Tequila Sunrise, crafted by Greg White. Or check out This Week in Business History with Supply Chain News own Scott Luton to learn more about everyday things you may take for granted and pick up short stories you can use as general conversation starters. The Logistics with a Purpose series puts a spotlight on neat and interesting organizations who are working toward a greater cause. And finally, if you're interested in logistics, freight, and transportation, take a listen to the new series, Jamin Logistics and Transportation Experience, with the Adapt and Thrive Mindset Sherpa, Jamin Alvarez. If interested in sponsoring this show or others on Supply Chain Now, send a note to chris at supplychainnowradio.com. And remember, supply chain is important. Okay. So uh, this space is so hot right now. And so I, I do uh, work with, well, I guess I'm on... Well, I'm a retainer with three of them. And so I do, I look at companies, uh, I look at, principally they bring me in to look at their software, but 
really their strategy, where they fit. And the last few years, uh, I've been very much focused in the robotics and material handling space. So I've uh, been really engaged a lot looking. So I'm, I'm sort of the guy in the background, a lot of these deals that are, you know, the investment guys go, well, are these guys any good? You know, and I'll go, well, <laughs> who knows? Or, or, yeah. I, or I, I can get a real sense that they are good. Or So it's been fun because I've never, I retired and I took it seriously for about a year and a half. And two things I realized, I not, wasn't going to get that much better in golf and pottery was not my future. I thought I wasn't going to make clay pots just yet. So I, I got back into this space mainly because of all the activity, all the acquisition activity and the investment activity that took place. And they were looking for people with experience in this area. So very busy, actually. <laughs> well, I better, we better save our sauce for the, uh, that sounds like something we, we talk about at the end. Somebody you may know, John Hill. Do you know John Hill? Oh, I know him well, yes, very well. Yeah, I, I, I just interviewed him. Uh, last the last session, so a couple of weeks ago. Well, people have called either he or I the father of the WMS, but um, we're still looking for the mother. That's a joke he and I always share. No, that's good. Uh, well, he's let's... called father of WMS. Sometimes I'm called father of WMS. So. I didn't realize that. This is getting to be an interesting podcast trend then. So I, went with, I was with him last time and then you this time. Yeah, well, he and I go way back. I mean, I knew him when he was CEO at uh, Logisticon. Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. And I was at uh, IMI Systems, which was one of the first WMS companies. And uh, I met him at a trade show. And we were probably at that time, there were only two or three. And the other was actually McHugh Freeman. And then I left IMI and went to McHugh because I met Jim McHugh and I fell in love with him. He was a wonderful man. I went to, uh, then I went to McHugh. Okay. So, yeah, well, let's get a little, let's get a little bit of structure into this. Cause that, that's great stuff right there. I mean, if you don't mind, I'll bring him up. I'll no, not at all. I He's to, John Hill's a great guy. Yeah. So he so. was, so with him, we went two sessions. He, he had more to say than he actually thought. So, but, <laughs> but that's okay. We can, if we need to do that, we just, you know, we can hard stop it. I, I make edits on this afterwards. So if you need to take a break, do cough, whatever, that's, that's good. I'm a hobbyist. I'm not a professional with this, Greg. <laughs> so it's no, uh, we, we have something called supply chain now. We're actually looking for investors, by the way, if you know anybody in that space. But it's, uh, we do yeah. podcasts and, and more around supply chain topics. Mine just happens to be a niche on what I think is uh, people that have been exceptional leaders, form, kind of form the industry. Um, also, what I'm finding is a lot of listenership around careers, people that are trying to get into supply chain management and maybe just look at what other people have done. So you'll notice at the end, if we do end it today, um, I'll ask you about your perspectives on getting into supply chain management today. Right. Yeah. Which it sounds like you would say robotics or something like that. So. Well, it is just right. The whole space is actually very exciting right now. So. Yeah. So. That's why I can't fully retire. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. What's going on? <laughs> And so I, I may bring up some of these names, and if you know them, we can talk. If not, then I can just edit them out. But you know Jeff Cashman, and he's running. Oh, sure. uh, yeah, I, I, I recruited him twice from Anderson to McHugh Freeman. And, 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 and Velocity? You to Velocity. Yeah, I remember that. That's where I got to know him more. Yeah. Velocity, so. Yeah. And you've got quite a following. Well, great. Well, let me just intro. It doesn't. Have, it's not about me. It's about you. Um, so whatever you want to share, that's going to be great. It doesn't sound like you're short on stories. 
No. <laughs> I, have, I, I have stories and scars. I won't show you the scars. And scars. 